first coming attractions. Before you go out and spend money on that new movie or digital media, make sure to listen to the entire show right here on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll take you behind the scenes, interview celebrities, and review new movies, TV shows, and digital releases. Now, here are your hosts from Kids First Coming Attractions. Welcome to Kids First Coming Attractions. I'm your host, Calista Betts from Los Angeles, California, and today we will be talking with Eric Davis, Colonel Terry Vertz, and Sebastian Sagi. But first, we are going to be talking with Catherine and Linda Lee about the new Mulan. How are you two doing? I'm doing great. Good, how are you? I'm doing great as well. So, to start off, I wanted to ask Catherine, what exactly would you say, like how familiar are you with the Mulan movie, the original? Okay, I... I love the Mulan movie. It is one of my favorite Disney princesses movies. Um, I, I grew up watching it so much, and I love it. And so, so I'm super familiar with it, yes. <laughs> All right, well, uh, Linda Lee, same question. How familiar are you with the original Mulan? Very familiar. Um, I watch it a lot. Same, I grew up with it. It's probably one of my favorite Disney movies. It's great. <laughs> Well, this will be interesting. We have two people who are both very familiar with Mulan. So, to start off, uh, Catherine, what, just to refresh people in case they haven't seen it, in a, seen it in a while, or if by some rare coincidence they've never seen it before, can you describe the plot of Mulan? The original or the just the new one? Just the new one. Okay, so the new one is about... Um, a girl named Mulan. So her dad is kind of a war hero, I guess you could say, in China. And since they have invaders, uh, China has invaders. So they send like every, like a man, one man from each family has to serve in a war. And so her dad, Mulan's dad, has to serve. And he's hurt. And Mulan is like, no way. He can't, he can't serve. So she decides to serve in his place. What happens next? You'll have to watch the movie. All right. Linda Lee, I'd say this is a pretty important question for any remake, reimagining, anything like that. So what are some notable changes between this version and the old one, aside from the live action? Probably two of the biggest things for me that um, I could point out were uh, there was no songs in this movie, and in the original, it, it, the original was a musical, and uh, also this live-action version is much more serious um, than the um, original because you know the original movie is all like it, every single thing is all funny and stuff, um, but in this one it's not. It's, it's more serious. Hmm. Well, that is an interesting, you know, topic of debate, because you may be asking yourself which version do you think is better, because they're, just from that alone, I can tell that there are two very different movies. And speaking of which, Catherine, would you say you have a preference between this film and, or the old one? Okay, I loved the new Mulan, but I will say my favorite is the original because I feel like it's so, it's so, it's like lacking comedy in the new one. And I mean, they got rid of Mushu. Everybody loves Mushu. So I will have to say I do like the original Mulan better. Yeah, I definitely think that 
you know, I know uh, the announcement that there was no Mushu or no songs definitely turned some people off because that's definite. Those two aspects are definitely some of the more recognizable aspects of the original. And uh, Linda Lee, do you have a preference for either of these two films? Literally the same thing. I I was like, oh yay, Mushu, but then they said, yeah, Mushu's in this movie, and I got. Sad. So, uh, yeah, I agree. The original is probably my favorite. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I'm kind of with you in that boat. Like, I will admit, I haven't seen the new Mulan, but I'm, but I'm an animation, I have a big animation bias. I'm an animation first girl. Everyone who knows me knows this because I will not stop talking about animation. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we are talking with Eric Davis, Colonel Terry Verts, and Sebastian Sagi, and right now we are talking with Catherine and Linda Lee about the new Mulan. So let's uh, talk more about this film as a as if it weren't a remake. Let's talk more about um, it on as it's on its own terms. So, uh, Catherine, what did you think about the characters in this film? Uh, okay, so the characters there are. I'd say I like how they. I know I'm 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 referencing back to the original. Uh, they had different characters, new characters, but I do like how it's unique in that way because, uh, you know, in remakes, uh, they always try to make a spin on it, and so the spin is making it more and more of an original movie. So I think that maybe even taking away from Mushu that it helps the movie more because, I mean, everybody loves Mushu, but it's there, it's PG, it's a PG-13 movie, and I think having a talking dragon that says everything related to comedy and pretty much nothing serious would not, would not work with the film, so I'd say the characters, yeah, they fit really well, they, they changed a bunch of the characters, and yeah. I didn't even know this film was PG-13. That's news to me. That's interesting. Catherine, what did you think about the acting in this film? The acting, I, okay, I, the, the actors, which I don't exactly know how to pronounce their names, but uh, they were amazing. I heard that uh, the actress for Mulan, I'm trying to say her name, it's like, Mm. Yeah, I'll look that up later. <laughs> but um, uh, I thought she, so she trained like five, she trains like three to five hours a day for martial arts and everything. And I thought that was insane, but it really did look real. So I feel like the actors did a phenomenal job. Mm-hmm. And uh, same question for you, Linda Lee. What did you think about the acting in this film? I was blown away. It was crazy. I I felt like everything, they just, they were so, um, they were just so into it. Um, and I liked how uh, in the, like, original, she had to um, train to get stronger. But in this one, uh, she just, it's like she had magical Jedi powers. She was just born like that. Um, and... Like, you could see the change in it, like, immediately, and it, it was just, it was amazing. And, uh, 
like for the emotional scenes I wanted to cry like I I felt it so much it was incredible mm-hmm. well that's interesting to hear and um Catherine how are the costumes in this film they are stunning all oh, the costumes okay <laughs> uh so in there's uh the beginning scene where um well, pretty much uh, Mulan is kind of bringing, I, I guess, dishonor to her family, but uh, because uh, she, uh, the, the matchmaking scene, it goes wrong, so she's bringing dishonor. But um, aside from that, she was beautiful in that scene. The, the makeup, the dress, it was stunning. And then all of the costumes for the the bad guys and the good guys and everything they were stunning well that is nice to hear i do think costuming is a very um underappreciated aspect of filmmaking and uh linda lee how um how are the sets in this film because i know this um i know mulan had a lot of really nice backgrounds in the original so i'm wondering how does it hold up in this film um, I thought the sets were really nice. Probably one of my favorite, like, places in the movie, um, was the mountain that they had to climb up, um, every day for training, but also the, uh, Mulan, like, where the lake, where she would go in to, like, take the bath. That was very beautiful. I loved that place. But the sets were really cool. The whole battle, battlegrounds were really awesome, and, uh, the main city, that beautiful i thought it was just so cool and so our for our final question Catherine, um what would you give this film in terms of a star rating and an age rating okay i give it a four out of five stars and i definitely recommend it for older audiences i guess like 11 to 18 adults will also definitely like it and uh linda lee the same question goes to you what is your star rating and age rating for this film I give it four out of five stars, and probably I recommend it for ages 11 and older because, you know, there's some scary scenes, and it's just, it could be dramatic for uh, younger audiences. All right. Well, thank you guys both so much for talking to me about this film. Thank you so much. Uh, Thank you. You're welcome. And let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. 
For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Mulan, and next we will be talking with Eric Davis, the managing editor at Fandango. I'm Natalie Jackson, reporting from Kids First. Today I have the honor to catch up with Eric Davis, manager, managing editor of Fandango. You're one of the nation's prominent movie commentators with over a decade of writing about movies for Fandango, Movies.com, AOL Movie Phone, Cinematical, and more. You have also appeared on top TV shows, panels at San Diego Comic-Con, and SXXW, just to name a few. You have also mentored many of the writers who have now gone on to write for others, such as New York Times, The Daily Beast, MTV News, LA Weekly, Rolling Stone, Vanity Fair, and many other top publications. I must say, I am very much impressed. You are very much impressive. Congratulations on all your work, and thank you for taking the time to speak with us today. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me. Um, it's, I, I'm happy to talk to you and, and answer whatever questions that you have. Uh, I'm honored to, uh, to be here. Well, I am honored to be able to speak to you. To start us off, Fandango is such a powerhouse in the entertainment industry worldwide. How has it changed or evolved since you started in 2008? Oh, well, it's changed dramatically. You know, in the early 2000s, when I first started working with Fandango, really, they just sold movie tickets online. And, and selling movie tickets online in the early 2000s was, was a relatively new concept. Uh, because most people just went to the movie theater and, and bought their tickets at the box office. And so uh, just the idea of buying movie tickets online was a new thing. Uh, and then since then, you know, with the rise of apps and iPhones and especially social media like Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, uh, Fandango has grown uh, exponentially. And, and we're not just a resource for buying movie tickets, but really we're a resource for all of your entertainment needs. Um, you know, we're not just Fandango anymore. We've added uh, a bunch of other brands to our family. We have uh, Fandango Movie Clips, which is one of the largest movie networks on YouTube. Uh, we also have Fandango Now, which is a, a, a platform that you can buy and rent movies at home, as well as TV shows. Uh, and we also have Rotten Tomatoes, which is uh, the, you know, the, the go-to aggregator for 
for uh, what film critics think about films and as well as audiences too. And so no matter how you want to, whether you want to go to a movie or watch a movie or rent a movie uh, or go buy tickets to go see a movie, however you want to engage uh, with movies as well as TV shows, um, we can uh, be there to help service you. Well, I agree. I mean, technology has expanded. It has grown. And although it's been a little different, we're all adapting to it, especially through quarantine. I mean, how many Zooms have we been through already? It's been quite a lot. So I think on a daily basis, we're having technology as our best bud, especially right now. And in your role yeah. as a managing editor for Fandango, what is your day-to-day -day work life like? My day-to-day -day work life is, is always different, and that's part of why I love my job because, you know, some of my job happens behind the scenes, and so, you know, we'll get together with our team, and, and we have a team that's an editorial team. Uh, we have a social team that manages all of our social platforms. We have a production team, which helps produce all of our shows that we do, and, then, and, and that got press junkets when we interview celebrities. Uh, we also have our YouTube team, uh, who manage all of our YouTube channels. Um, and so all of our teams come together and we brainstorm topics. We look at what movies are coming out that week, whether they're at home or they're in theaters. Uh, and we just keep ourselves organized and talk about all the different movie news and movie coverage that we're going to have uh, on any given week or within a month. Uh, but then also... I do some interviewing myself. And so I'll interview celebrities uh, when they have films coming out or filmmakers. I'll also go on TV shows and go on radio uh, to talk about the different films that are coming out. And so on any given day, uh, my job is constantly changing. And then when we're not in quarantine, uh, you know, pre-quarantine, uh, I was also going to a lot of movies too. So I would go to a lot of screenings uh, and have to manage my day around uh, seeing a bunch of movies as well. So uh, my day is always changing and it's always different, but I love it because I'm always talking about movies. Well, you may, really must be a film aficionado and I'm not going to ask what your favorite film is, but I am interested <laughs> and curious, knowing do you have a favorite genre or do you have more than one? Uh, always going to be more than one. Uh, you know, I grew up uh, <laughs> loving, um, I love comedies. I also love coming of age movies. And so I grew up, really liking those two genres the most. Um, and then I have, I've had a, pre, a, a new appreciation of horror movies. I have a lot of friends who, who are horror aficionados. And so in the last 10 years or so, I've become a big fan of the horror genre. Uh, also superhero movies. I love superhero movies. Um, I've been on the, um, on the sets of, uh, of a lot of Marvel movies and some DC movies. And so I've have a, a, a appreciation of following, uh, especially the Marvel cinematic universe in the last, uh, 10, 11 years of, of movies that they've been putting out. I've been, uh, following that very closely and watching every single one, uh, and really enjoying them. Well, as a young reporter myself, thank you for sharing that first and foremost. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we are talking about Mulan. We are talking with Colonel Terry Vertz and Sebastian Sagi. And right now, we are talking with Eric Davis, the managing editor at Fandango. But I'm interested in knowing how you got to where you are today. What did you study in school and how relevant was your educational experience to what you do now? Yeah, that's a really great question. You know, uh, I, in school, I, I did a little bit of everything. I was a, a drama student, so I did a lot of acting early on in my elementary school and, and middle school and high school. And then in high school, I sort of did 
uh, television production. So I started following television production as well as drama. Uh, and then in college, I sort of dropped the drama. I said, you know, I'm not going to be an actor. I don't, I don't want to do theater, so I don't need to do the drama. So I continued my television production. And so I, did, I, I majored in television production, and I minored in writing. And then when I got out of college, um, I did a little bit of television production for NBC Sports. I went to the Sydney Olympics in the year 2000. Uh, and I came back from there, and I said, you know what? I don't want to do television production anymore. And so I, I realized that I, I didn't want to do anything that I went to school uh, to, to, to cover. And so I kind of lost my way a little bit. I kind of did some odd jobs. And then I wound up writing about movies. Uh, and then when I started writing about movies, um, I, I, I did a little bit more and a little bit more. And then I started working for Fandango because I had always loved movies. Uh, and so what I realized is once I started becoming a managing editor is that even though I didn't go to school for being a managing editor of a movie website, um, all of my, my, um, my stuff, my, my experience in television production and being a manager behind the scenes, being a producer and a director and a writer, that helped me become a manager uh, for a movie website. And then all of the acting that I did in elementary school and in, and in high school, that helped me when I interviewed all of these celebrities and when I would go on the Today Show and when I would go on TV shows, you know, that doing all of that acting at a younger age helped me get over stage fright and helped me speak to large audiences without being nervous. And so sometimes, even if you go to school for something that you don't want, you know, that you don't wind up doing later on in life, some of those skills that you learn in school will help prepare you for the roles that you take on later on. And so, uh, so that's a long-winded way of answering your question, uh, but it's important because I think sometimes you don't realize that even if you're not going to school for something that you wind up doing later on in life, you can still take some of that stuff that you're learning in school and apply it to the jobs that you take on later on after school. Well, I agree with you. I mean, I love theater. I've always loved that. But, you know, something – I like to read the bar and go, go to the next level. And I think you share that with us. You experience so many film areas. And then you realize, not for me. Not for me either. <laughs> not for me either. You know, none of this is on my bucket list. And then when you finally got to review movies and enjoy them and figured out that was, a, that was in your passion era, you realize Fandango is perfect for me. And you had this opportunity. And you've been here for quite a long time. And now just to further, when you're looking at hiring young reporters, what are the skills you base them off of? Or what are their, you know, super good things and the strengths and weaknesses that you point out and you really, really want to get? Well, you know, Fandango is a little bit different than, say, like a newspaper uh, or mm -hmm. even some other website. So we don't necessarily hire um, sort of uh, quote unquote reporters, um, you know, depending on what, what, what we're doing. But, you know, I think... First and foremost, you know, passion, having a passion for movies, having a passion for, for telling people about movies and understanding more about movies and who's making the movies and why are they making them and who's starring in them. And I think passion, first and foremost, is something that we're always looking for, whether or not we're hiring you to write about the movies or we're hiring, you know, to, to run Twitter, the Twitter account. You know, I think no matter... Uh, what you're doing, I think passion is always something that we, we, we're, we, we care about. And, you know, we also care about, you know, how you're uh, participating in the movie conversation. And, you know, do you use Instagram and Facebook and Twitter? And, 
You know, it's very uh, interesting these days um, versus uh, 10 years ago, where if you wanted to learn about a movie, maybe you just went to uh, movies.com and, and learned about a movie. But these days, a lot of people are learning about movies just through Instagram or just through Twitter or just through Facebook. And so uh, a, a big understanding about this job is how do you tell people about a movie if they're just you know, using Instagram? Uh, because that's going to be different than how you tell people about a movie that are on Facebook. Uh, or are going to Fandango.com. And so I think just having a wide understanding of the way that people are consuming content these days is also very important um, as well. And just being cool and being a fun person and being a good person and, and having a good attitude every day and, and being able to sort of start the day and, and, and have that passion every single day about what's coming out, even if you don't you don't personally care about the movies or TV shows that are coming out that week, you know, having that passion about them. Um, and because there is going to be somebody out there that really does care about that and really is interested in that TV show or movie. And so you always want to bring uh, that, that same level of passion to every, uh, everything that you talk about. Well, thank you for taking the time. That was some great advice. You are the advice man right here. The, the man of the year, <laughs> aren't you? <laughs> But you have just given me some great advice. I think I could take that along with me as I'm hoping to continue my journey as a young journalist and a film reporter and film critic. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. This is Eric Davis, Managing Editor of Fandango. I'm Natalie Jackson, reporting from Kids First. And make sure to subscribe to our Kids for Future channel to see this and other interviews and reviews because they're pretty awesome. Thank you so much one more time. Thank you so much, and keep keep working at it, and keep doing your thing. Thank you. Uh, and I, I think you are an awesome interviewer, and I think you have uh, a lot, a lot more ahead of you in life. So, so thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. Let's take a break. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First Film Critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America.
you are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We have been talking about Mulan and talking with Eric Davis, and next we will be talking with Colonel Terry Virts, the producer on the book How to Astronaut and the film One More Orbit. Hi, this is Ethan Kirsten from the Sunshine State, Florida. Today I have the honor to talk to Colonel Terry Virts. He's an astronaut, author, screenwriter, and a filmmaker. Hi, Terry, how you doing? I'm doing good. Good to be with you, Ethan. So you ready to start the questions? Let's go. Let's get into it. So um, when did you decide you wanted to become an astronaut and take a role in models? So my first book that I ever read, you know, from cover to cover was in like kindergarten and it was about space. It was one of those, uh, like a board book with one line per page and it was about Apollo and I was hooked. So growing up, I had pictures on my wall was covered with airplanes and galaxies and all that. I was hooked at a very young age. So what was your experience training to become an astronaut and what was like the most challenging part of it? You know, I love training. Training is actually in some ways better than the mission. So one of the things I loved about it is that it's something different every day because astronauts have to be doctors and pilots and mechanics and we have to make movies and do interviews. Um, And you have to be an accountant when the cargo ship comes up, you have to keep track of all the stuff and you have to do spacewalks. So every day it was something different. I had to learn lots of different things. I had to learn to speak Russian. So, and spacewalks and all kinds of stuff. So the best part about training was doing something different every day. That's really interesting. So um, what was the most difficult part or challenge of being an astronaut? So going back to that, there's all kinds of different things you need to learn. And people always say, well, how long was your training? And the reality, it was a lifetime. I mean, I've been learning, ever since I was your age, I was learning and I love learning and I've been in training for my whole life. So that's tough, but probably the most specific tough thing was learning Russian. Um, I've got a bunch of, my old Russian books are up on the shelf there. I thought I was pretty good at foreign languages. I minored in French in college, but man, Russian is difficult. So, and you have to speak it because I launched on a Russian Soyuz. And even once you're in space, there's a Russian segment. And so um, it took some time. There's like a big hill. Once you get over the hump, it was fun. Like I, all I want, I really wanted more and more Russian language, but getting to that point was tough. That seems hard because you have four languages and to learn another one, it's really hard. Because I actually saw um, on Google that it's really rare for someone to speak more than two languages. So that must be really hard sometimes in my brain would get confused. And when I first started learning Russian, I spoke German. So I constantly had German words coming out when I was trying to speak Russian. And then I got better in Russian. So now when I speak German, I'm always throwing out Russian words. So it's, I get them confused. They're in the same part of my brain. It's better to be your age because young kids are much better at learning languages. Your neurons are still getting formed in your brain. So for all the kids out there watching, Man, learn a language, learn Spanish, learn French, learn Chinese, learn Russian, something. That now is the time to learn when you're young. Yeah, I'm actually learning Spanish now that I'm in middle school. I'm doing Spanish one. We win. (laughs) 
So besides being an astronaut, you're also an author, a screenwriter, and a filmmaker. So what inspired you to make a film named One More Orbit that comes out this month? Um, so photography and filmmaking, it's been my passion. When I was in space, I actually took more pictures than anybody, any other astronaut ever, over 300,000. Um, and the best thing I did during my seven months in space was help make an IMAX movie called A Beautiful Planet, which actually, if you got Hulu, you can watch IMAX and Disney are putting IMAX films on streaming now. So you can watch them at home. We're all stuck at home because of COVID, but you can see these IMAX films. And my director was a lady named Tony Myers, and she's amazing. Um, she's made all the space movies going back to the 80s and 70s. And um, she really inspired me and taught me how to be a filmmaker. And so last year, a buddy of mine had this crazy idea to set a world record flying around the planet. And he wanted me to be a pilot. And it was, it was I didn't have enough time to get the training. So he said, well, why don't you make a movie? And I was like, that's exactly what I want to do in life. So I had this big budget. We had over 200 people on the crew. Um, I had crews in five different places around the world. And so we made a documentary about trying to break a world record flying around the planet. It's called One More Orbit. It comes out in October. But it's, it's really about how exploration brings people together. Because we had 10 different people from 10 different countries on our airplane uh, during the mission, plus a big ground crew in Qatar in the Middle East that was um, like our mission control. So it, the real point of the film is about how, how people need to work together because the world seems to be going crazy nowadays. So I try to make a positive movie there. And it, we also talk about climate change. When we went over the North Pole, you could see a bunch of water, but not a lot of ice. And so I talk about how to solve climate, climate change in the movie too. That's really nice because you're making a film and also like help change. So I thought that was really nice of it. Yeah, it's fun. It'll be out in, in now a few more weeks, so I'm excited. You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today we are talking about Mulan and with Eric Davis, and right now we are talking with Colonel Terry Verts. So you've written two books now, um, A Polio to the Moon and Back, and How to Astronaut, an insider guide to leaving planet Earth coming out next month. So can you talk a little bit about your second book and what is the difference between them two? Sure. Actually, I, this is actually my third book. I, I did a National Geographic photography book called View From Above. I got it here. And then How to Astronaut is, is the latest one. So the first one was a photography book with stories, but the second one is a word book. So I wrote 51 short essays. Um, it just takes a few minutes to read each one. And they're all supposed to be funny and they're supposed to make you say wow and laugh. Those are my two goals. And so it's everything that I could think of about different aspects of spaceflight. So some of the stuff you'd expect, like um, how to train to do space shuttle emergencies or how to learn how to do medicine or how to do science experiment, kind of stuff you would think about. Spacewalking, how do you put a spacesuit on? And then some of the stuff is kind of unusual, like. What do you do if your crewmate dies? What do you do with the dead body? Or if you're stuck in space, how do you get back to Earth? You know, if the rocket engine won't light up. Um, how do you get to Mars? Are there aliens? And so I tried to make, you know, stuff you'd think of, stuff you wouldn't think of. And it's not technical. Anybody can read it. Uh, you know, for kids there in middle school or whatever, you, it's, it's not a problem. Um, and hopefully you'll laugh and learn something along the way. I actually love that because that can encourage kids who are younger and want to be an astronaut 
they can read off of that and be inspired. So I actually really love that. I hope so. And I, you know what I want to do also, Ethan, I want to make um, a video series about it uh, because there's all these interesting topics. So it'd be really cool to have like 10 minute segments and I'm, you could do that for adults, but you could also do like a kid's, you know, like a educational thing. Like this is how you do rendezvous in space and make it a funny educational kind of thing. So I'm, that, that is one of my many projects that I have that I want to work on. So um, you've mentioned in your films uh, a bucket list and it's long. So what's left in your bucket list? Oh, lots and lots of things. I, I want to win an Oscar. <laughs> Um, there's a lot of places I want to visit. I've still never been to the Bahamas. Actually, I just went to Bermuda last month um, for some business, and uh, a buddy is talking about filming a series about uh, shipwrecks. So I went to Bermuda, but I've never been to the Bahamas. Um, so one of the TV show ideas I have is where I go visit the places that I saw from space. So it's like, here's this place from space. Now let's go see what it's really like on the ground. So I have lots and lots of places still to visit. So, um, final question. My, uh, my favorite scene was when you stopped, I think, at Chile, one of your stops, and yes. one of the mechanics was on the bottom, and he was fixing it, and all the yeah. pee just came unfrozen, and it spilled on him. <laughs> so yeah. What would you say is your favorite part? Well, that was crazy, because we just flew over the South Pole, and it was really, really, really cold. It was July, which means it's wintertime in the Southern Hemisphere, and you know, liquid water expands when it freezes. Most stuff shrinks when it freezes. But the reason we have life on Earth is because water is weird and it expands. And so the, the bathroom pipes, when they froze, they burst. And he had to go up in there and work on the engines because our oil was leaking because it was so cold. So while he was working on the engines, he got sprayed and he smelled so bad. Like I literally... I had to take ibuprofen. I was getting medicine because I was getting a headache. He stunk so bad. And he had already cleaned himself up like three times. But yeah, we're still giving him more. I was texting with him last night. It's been a year. We were just texting last night. Yeah, that was a funny, that was a funny scene. So, um, sadly, we're out of time. So it was an honor talking with you. And by the way, congratulations on breaking the world record for flying around in 46 hours and 40 minutes. Thank you very much, Ethan. This is a great interview. You do a great job. So this is Ethan Preston signing off, and I'll see you next time. Goodbye. Bye. Let's take a break. I'm Callista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. To become a Kids First film critic, visit our website to find out when the next audition takes place. We hold auditions throughout the year and are always looking for kids ages 8 to 18 that love movies, love talking about movies, and love the chance to meet the talent that works on movies. We invite kids who live in or near any major city in the U.S., Canada, or the U.K. This summer, join us at our Kids First Film Critic Boot Camp at Temple University, where you can learn how to critique films, how to interview celebrities, and how to set up a home studio for next to nothing. 
For more info, visit www.kidsfirst.org. Think you have what it takes to become a Kids First film critic? Register to audition and give yourself a chance to join the entertainment business as a young entertainment reporter. Hurry! Our auditions take place the first Saturday of the month via Skype. Help us help other kids make smart decisions about the movies they choose. At Kids First, we believe that smart kids make smart consumers. Have you friended us on Facebook yet? Why not? Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for the keywords Voice America. Once you are part of our Facebook network, you'll receive daily messages about what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and new happenings at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. And you can add your voice to the always active discussions on our timeline. Just go to Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for Voice America. Are tuned into Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Shh! Turn your phone off. Another film review or celebrity interview is coming up. Hey, welcome back. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California, and you're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. We've been talking about Mulan and talking with Eric Davis and Colonel Terry Verts, and next we'll be talking with Sebastian Sagey, the director for Run for His Life. Hey everybody, this is Tiana Sermons reporting for Kids First, and today I'm going to be talking with a director, producer, and filmmaker, Sebastian Stege. Hi, how are you today? I'm doing good. Nice to meet you guys. Nice to meet you too. I am really happy to be talking with you today. So today we're talking about your new short film, Run For His Life, which I got a chance to see, and it's really amazing. Oh, thank you. That's really kind. You're welcome. So, really, what was it about Pete's story that just made you want to share with the world? Um, well, it's really just Pete, in a sense. I mean, the story was great because it's about, like, incarcerated. Uh, his his father was incarcerated. And yeah. what I found really interesting is no matter what his, like, situation was, his race, his color, anything that I guess would you would consider holding you back. He just persevered and just kept moving forward. So regardless of the situations that were up at hand and what he had, he just kept going and going and going. And I think I found that really cool and relatable. And I was like, man, Pete doesn't let anything hold him back. So I kind of want to join him on this journey. And so with that and his story, I wanted to, um, yeah, I just wanted to make something with him. Yeah, it's truly a great story. And how did you tend to make it more like you were proud of Pete instead of sad of him? Right. Um, well, it's just to see somebody uh, come from, from, from humble beginnings and to overcome any obstacle, I thought, I mean, that's what a modern-day hero is. He doesn't allow anything to kind of stop him. So with that, I just I just focused on that because – it was the most relatable. It's like Pete had this, he had that, he had this, but it didn't stop him from achieving any of his dreams. And so I like that. Yeah, he is truly inspiring. And he really just did stay strong with everything that had happened. Yes. So what was your process with building rapport with Pete, getting to get him to tell his story to you? Our process was kind of simple. Me and him uh, liked the same music. So we went for a walk and talked about music. And then with music, it kind of related to how we kind of grew up. And then we found another thing that kind of drew us together. So with music, similar backgrounds, 
taking a nice walk, we were able to actually have a good conversation and be um, honest. And from there, it was just a friendship built over, I guess you would say, a story. Yeah, yeah that's really important, getting a chance to like build that rapport with people so then it's almost like you know them, like they're your right. best friend. Right. So I noticed that there were a lot of different scenes inside the film where he was like crying or was just really sad talking about his story. So how were you able to keep filming and just stay focused without seeing cut or like going over to comfort him? Um, what made that, I guess, um, part of the process is because me and P Pete built such rapport and he was comfortable with me, when he was telling his story and he wanted to cry, I kind of just sat there. I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't really stick my head in. I didn't say anything. And as you can see, he kind of built himself back up. He built his own courage. Yeah. So with that, sometimes you just got to be there for a friend and, you know, stay quiet. Just be there. And I think your presence itself is all what they really need. Yeah, I agree. That's really just so nice and heartwarming. <laughs> You're listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. Today, we are talking about Mulan and talking with Eric Davis and Colin Terry Verts. And right now, we are talking with Sebastian Sagi, the director for Run For His Life. So what is the biggest lesson that you have learned from creating this film? Honestly, to no, don't let anything bring you down. Uh, life is hard. I mean, currently, we are going through something that we all can relate to with the COVID, but no matter what, don't let anything stop you from achieving your dreams. And I think Pete is a great example of yeah. just overcoming any obstacles. So as things go hard, life doesn't work out the way you want. If you stay focused and you work really hard and you have that one thing you want to accomplish, just like Pete and many others before him and after him, you can do it. Yeah, that's a really great lesson that all of us can take away from. Absolutely. Oh, and the second lesson is be a good friend. You never know what someone's going through. And I think because Pete is such a friendly guy, and if you would have just met him down the street, he would have gave you the shirt on his back, and you would have never known anything that he had to face. Exactly. And that's why, like, a lot of people probably didn't know about him, but just by this movie, not only do you get, like, a big lesson from it, but you also get to learn about things you may not have known. Absolutely. So what impact do you hope that Run For His Life has on the world? What impact? I think the impact for Run For His Life, outside of being just a motivational thing, it can also show um, people what um, incarcerated, uh, incarcerating someone's parent, what it does to the kids, and how it kind of affects them. And it just doesn't affect that one person, as you can see with Pete and his whole family, he had a whole family, a whole support system. And luckily, because they had each other, they were able to overcome it. But it's, it's a good film to see about what life is for a, a kid that has to go through, um, I guess, growing up without a parent. Exactly. And he lost his dad at a really young age. Very young. So something that I was able to learn is that the main character, Pete, is actually also a photographer yep. and tells stories with pictures. But what's the most challenging part of telling another person's, another storyteller's story? Ooh, the thing about storytellers, I think, is I don't think they're really, uh, they can't really tell their own story. 
<laughs> so it's always easy because they're from the outside always looking in, but it's hard to kind of look at your own situation. So with Pete, we, as, as I said, during our walk, he worked for um, a label called Def Jam. I worked for a label called Def Jam. I showed him my photos and art. He showed me his photos and art. And then by the end of it, he says, I trust you. And so with trust, we were able to build something real honest. Yeah, that's really nice. So you have, like, how has your previous jobs, because I know that you have also directed music videos, so how has your previous jobs like that helped you with creating this film? Ooh, that's a good question. I think the way it helps me is it allows me to adapt and overcome. Just like the story with any other job, there's always going to be a problem. It's always going to be an uphill fight. But because we kind of know how to move on our feet, any situation, we can just adapt. But what Pete's specific story is, it was nice to make something for the heart versus just being cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it really did. I can tell just by like watching everything and even the trailer that it really came from the heart. Absolutely. And then just so for my last question, Run For Your Life was an official 2020 American Black Film Festival and the Emerging Directors Showcase. What advice do you have for young emerging filmmakers that may want to make their own documentaries when they grow up? I say just start making things now. Grab your cell phone, grab anything and just make things. Practice telling your story. Have fun. If you have someone interesting, whether it's a family member, a friend, or just somebody you see all the time maybe have a conversation with them. You don't necessarily always have to film everything, but I think talking and engaging and getting to know people will just help your storytelling process. Yeah, I can totally agree. Thank you so much, Mr. Sebastian, for joining us today. Again, this is Tiana Sturmis reporting for Kids First. Make sure to like and subscribe to our channel. That's all for now. Bye. You have been listening to Kids First Coming Attractions. To watch our latest reviews of the latest films, DVDs, TV shows, music, and apps, and to learn how you can join our Kids First film critic team, go to www.kidsfirst.org. Be sure to check out our YouTube channel and look for our reviews on press for kids kidsworlds.com, and Kidsville News. This show is produced by the Coalition for Quality Children's Media for Voice America and iHeartRadio. Today's show is sponsored by Sonic Boom Robot Uprising. I'm Calista Best from Los Angeles, California. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you again for tuning in to Kids First Coming Attractions on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, you know more which movies, TV shows, or digital media to look for, or learned about the talent that worked on or off camera on them, and can make informed decisions about what to watch. Be sure to subscribe to our channel so you don't miss an episode and tune in again next week.